Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly podcast. My name is Chris, I'm your host and uh, thank you for bearing with us for a fortnight. It's felt like a while, hasn't it? Um, Phil is off this evening, but I am happy to welcome back from his travels, Mr. Jeremy Smith. Just um, busy time and uh, a little bit under the weather, but thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Hi, sorry, slightly distracted by my daughter who's just here. Um she is named after Raphael Varane, so there is some French content there. <laughs> Excellent stuff. How was your How was your trip? Because uh, we haven't spoken to you since you you went away to Marseille, and then you've been away with work. So um, yeah, how's things? Yeah, I mean, uh, from, from a French content point of view, it's actually been a busy couple of weeks. I went to Marseille, which was, I mean, as ever with football, the result sort of plays a big part in how you feel about the whole thing. So the fact that yeah. Brighton got an 88th minute equaliser made me feel very different to how I would have done if the match had finished a couple of minutes early. But it was just, it was fantastic. I mean, yeah. From Brighton point of view, just seeing us playing away, let alone in the velodrome, and then just the atmosphere, even though it wasn't 100% full, the atmosphere was amazing. Um, yeah. To be fair, I don't know how much of it is down to fantastic acoustics because even sort of an hour before the match, like the Brighton fans who were all sort of packed in quite early were making a hell of a set. I was in in the Marseille end, but quite, quite high up behind like the press boxes and stuff. Um, but the Brighton fans are making an amazing amount of noise. And then it looked like there were literally maybe a couple of hundred Marseille fans there when Brighton came out the players came out for their first warm-up and the whistles and everything was just crazy. So yeah. then once the stadium filled up and, and you know, when Marseille scored their goals or when they were trying to put João Pedro off just before that 88th minute penalty, the sound was just awesome. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. So yeah, it was pretty much everything. Obviously a win would have been nice, but <laughs> everything I'd have hoped for from, from that trip yeah. Um, the only other French football content thing since then, there wasn't much in my in my other trip abroad, which was to America. But um uh I actually interviewed Marcel Desai for 15 minutes. So um Fantastic. when I get around to actually writing that, hopefully we'll be able to share it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, how how was that? Was it as daunting as you thought it might be? Um only really the 15 minute timer ticking down <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah get some questions but he was he was lovely he was very very chatty like you sort of you know you could ask him a question and then he uh packed in the next few minutes with uh, with answers like he talked a lot and he talked quickly yeah um yeah re- really seemed a very nice guy and you know thoughtful answers and everything so yeah i haven't it feels like so long since I've done it yeah, um, and I haven't listened back to it, but hopefully it will be worth a listen, uh, read. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Once that's out, uh, we will share on our socials when we get the links. So, yeah, good stuff. I often find with those sort of interviews that you, uh, the the guest um, often says to you, oh, you know, I've got 15 minutes, 20 minutes max, and then like half an hour later, you're still kind of, you're still kind of there. So it's always good. Yeah, when- no, I was, um, it was sort of a schedule of interviews and, I was late because the guy before me overran and then oh, no. and he 
their side basically had to be cut off by the the host so that the next person in <laughs> in line could could start his one so yeah yeah it's often the people that are behind the person isn't it that that causes the the busyness but so no good stuff fantastic i'm glad you've uh glad you've had a good time and um, we'll we'll very quickly mention because we as i say we did have a week off last week uh with you being away yourself and phil said we'll take the week off and in that week france uh, did play two games i appreciate you won't have seen too much but qualification secured uh with the win against the netherlands and then followed up with a, a win over scotland um benjamin pavard back on the score sheet and mbappe also with a couple of really good goals in over those two games as well um i say we're not going to go deep into it because it does feel like old news now but i guess bottom line is qualification secured a couple of uh good performances from players that were on the edges of the squad. I look at Jonathan Klaus, for example, who played very well in that first game. That's pretty much all there is to say, really, isn't there, across those two games, really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the first match was, uh, you know, winning away to the Netherlands, however on form or not they are, however many injuries they've got, I think is is always a positive result. And it was good to see Mbappe, who's not been in the greatest form recently for, for PSG, kind of be able to to lift himself again for France and, and score a cracking goal. Um as you said, Klaus played very well as well. Um I think um you know across the two matches you're looking at players who've probably lost points. I'd say Kolomuani was pretty mm. poor, especially compared to Turam. Yeah. Um uh I think Dembele, I know I'm biased, but I thought he was very poor again. Um, but yeah, other other players I think um gain yeah, gain brownie points. And I think Pavar is one, you know, he's finally been allowed to play in the centre back position mm. that, that he prefers. And he becomes the first player to score two headers in one match for France since Zidane in the World Cup final in ninety-eight. Wow. Um so you know, all good for him. Um and yeah, I mean uh, you know, Scotland it's good character to to come back from an early goal down. I wish Billy Gilmore scored more for his club. <laughs> um, but uh that you know, it was a, it it was a friendly, the pressure was off, they'd done the important bit beforehand. Um, but I thought it was still a, an extremely professional performance. And I just want to mention the under 21s. Yes. Kind of more than anything else as a sort of spoiler alert because okay i think it was cyprus but nine nil is still impressive mm-hmm. and to do what shirky did and be implicated in eight of those goals is very impressive mm-hmm. so he must be on fantastic form for his club you'd think well i mean it's, it's almost like you've perfectly segued us into the weekend's action which is where we're going to go now and uh, i feel like that's exactly where we should start and that is with shirky's club and that is Olympic Lyonnais who I who was I talking to uh I can't remember who I was talking to at the weekend now um somebody either tweeted or messaged me actually it might have been Adam I think I think it might have been our our friend Adam Virgo who I think uh, texted me and he, he's kind of a closet Leon follower and on Sunday night the final game of the, the weekend's action saw Claremont win 2-1 
at the group armor and um adam basically said to me he's like they're getting relegated like i just can't see a way out of this and i messaged him back and said well uh just this is just after Toliso got one back and I said well I think they'll get something out of this game so much so that I didn't cash a small bet out which I really should have done because I was on over 3.5 goals and I thought Leon would equalize that was a foolish mistake but anyway they um they went down to that 2-1 defeat because despite that early goal back in the second half they uh they fell to uh to Cham's um excellent goal I don't think he'll be at Clermont next season he looks a uh, a real player. He he got the opener and um Manning got the second with some questionable positioning from Lopez. But with the greatest respects to the Claremont fans, um, brilliant result for them. We should not you shouldn't take that away from them. Fantastic result for them given where they were in the table because they started to see the, the game bottom. But Leon's a story here, isn't it? And um you you touched on Shirky there. He was brought off at half time along with two others, a triple substitution from Fabio Grosso, who it's only, I think he's only four games into his tenure, but I mean, everything he's trying is not coming off. Leon look at side completely devoid of confidence of anything at the moment. And when Grosso basically has fallen out with the most saleable asset alongside probably Kakare, I mean, is relegation a serious thing you have to look at now? Is this up there with Bordeaux and, and St Etienne of recent years? They're nine matches into the season and, and they haven't won a match yet. Um, mm. they've, they've barely scored. I can't remember how many they've got, but not many. Um, and I think it's three points. Um, mess aside, they've got a really tough run coming up. I think Marseille, Lille, Lens. Um, so it doesn't get much easier. And no. you know, there's a concern that they could really be cut adrift. And... It is Lyon. The players, the squad they've got, it's disgraceful that they are where they are. Um, and I'm sure some money will be made available for January. But the recruitment's a mess as well. I mean, frankly, you look at the players they brought in in the summer, who the hell are any of them and what have any of them done since they've come in? Mm. Um, the recruiters have chopped and changed. I think Ponson has just left or been moved to the women's side, which isn't exactly a um a sort of uh you know a glowing compliment to whatever they think he's done in the background. Um I can't remember his name. Is it Mathieu Lujan? Um, yes, former defender, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure why he was brought in or what he, if he knows what he's doing. No. So even in terms of recruitment, there's not much confidence that they're going to bring in the right players. Also, who's going to want to go to Lyon for a relegation fight? Probably mm. the calibre of players that they're looking for wouldn't want to go there. So that that aspect of it isn't straightforward. John Texter, the clown, was there on Sunday night and um, his interview afterwards has been doing the rounds in, in the French media where he basically like literally laughed off the idea of relegation. And, you know, people are saying, we understand that you want to sort of put on a, uh, you know, your game face or whatever and you don't want to be standing there saying, yeah, we're going to go, my new club's going to go down kind of thing. But it was so... The way he he put it across was so sort of deluded that people are thinking he, you know, we thought he didn't have a clue what he's doing. Now we're certainly, he hasn't got a clue what he's doing. Mm. 
and then as you said like you know this is sort of gradually going towards the from recruitment to, to presidency or whatever now going on to the pitch or to the playing side Grosso has been a disaster so far and you know lots yes okay mitigating circumstances but one point from 12 um I think different formation every match 20 players used wholesale changes at half time every match um the only the only lead he's had against Lorient he changed formation to try to hold on to that lead and lost it um Shirky Look, there's clearly issues with him. You know, I think I think I said a few weeks ago that there was an interview with Blanc where he was talking about the fact that he assigned Shirky to Ludovic Juni or Ludovic Juni to Shirky when he was part of his background staff. And he kind of said, you know, I realised that wasn't exactly a present. And, you know, we've said that the fact that Shirky's been around for a while and hasn't yet really established himself suggests that there are problems there whether it's attitude or fitness i don't know but i did read a stat that until he was you know in the first half he ran more than any other player on the pitch so at least on sunday i'm not entirely sure that you can put it all down to uh bad attitude um as i said it was coming you know maybe he's tired but coming off the back of stellar performances for the under 21s there's clearly it's not just him personally. There's clearly motivation issues in terms of how to get him motivated. And Russell clearly isn't able to do that. If it was just Shaky, fair enough. But there's issues all across the team. And Grosso's behaviour is just bizarre. I mean, on on, um, on Sunday, I think he, he called... A lot of players are annoyed with the the level of training and, and intensity and everything and double training sessions. And the players who didn't go on international breaks were, you know, really put through the mill. And, and that apparently didn't go down brilliantly. Um, you know, some would say, well, French players, French clubs aren't good enough at training. And, and you know, if they had more of an Italian attitude, maybe they'd be more effective. Um I don't know. I feel some, somewhere in between maybe is correct. But on Sunday, he brought the whole squad in, a big squad, uh, very early in the morning, sort of part of the way through the day, told two players, uh, yeah, you're not going to be in the match day squad. You can go home now. Later on in the day, told Talia Fico, not the greatest player in the world for me, but an experienced player, a World Cup winner, said, yeah, by the way, I called you in, but you're not playing because I'm disciplining you because you went to the rugby yesterday. Um, did the same with Johan Lepunon, who doesn't seem like the type who you'd say boo to a goose. Um, so I think already he's rubbing several players up the wrong way. Um, yesterday, Jérôme Rotten on his radio show basically said, look, I'm not going to give names, I don't want to get anyone into trouble, but the players cannot bear him. He, they, Some say he's the worst coach they've ever... Some of the more experienced ones say that he's the worst coach they've ever seen or played for. Um, they can't stand the training methods. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. Today, Grosso apparently... Um, called all the players together and said, right, I want to know who the who the sort of mole or the grass is. Um, no one owned up, so he cancelled training for the day. Mm. <laughs> the whole thing is a complete farce, and every time you think it can't get worse, it does. Mm. Is that, I mean, because I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, and obviously we, we've got other clubs to cover today as well, but it, 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 was it a case of the 
because he's a former player and you know he knows the club inside and out is it the case that we could be seeing him potentially not last in the job beyond christmas i mean is it is it a case that they might have to make another change and if so how i mean what where do they go do you can't get roy hodgson in france can you unless they go for a relegation specialist but i mean what i mean what what's what's the outcome because the the way it's going at the moment it feels to me like somebody made a good point and dare I say it might have been our, our good friend JP um, during the commentary I think it was on, on or it might have been Chris Perry I can't remember on the commentary and they were saying that all the, the players <laughs> yeah, um, all the players that, that that were sold in the summer like Malagusto in particular like if you look at his replacement was uh, the fullback from Belgium um, whose name is Clinton Matter they, the players they've sold they've replaced with worse players and it's like you know that that's the issue, isn't it? It's like, is that squad actually good enough? If they, Kashirki clearly is a player who wanted to move, um, and probably will move now. Um, you know, Lacazette hasn't quite hit the form he had last season. <sighs> Nuama, yeah, there's a there's a bit of a talent there, but how much? Same with Jafinho. I mean, it like, is there really an opportunity for them to to change coach and go up, or is it a case of just stick with what they've got and and try and push on because if this form carries on, I mean, they are only going one way and you said it yourself, Marseille away next home to Metz away to Rennes home to Lille home to, uh, sorry, away to Lens home to Toulouse away to Monaco home to Nantes. That's the next few fixtures, but up to Christmas. I mean, they could be, they could be buried with that. Couldn't they? Yeah, they could. And in terms of the squad, yeah, they lost important players, but they've got, Two World Cup winners, I think, in their squad. Two experienced World Cup winners. They got Lacazette, who's okay, not scoring as prolifically as he was last year, but again, has sort of been there and done that. They've got some talented youngsters. They got a, um, I know he's controversial, but a talented, experienced um, goalkeeper. And if the squad isn't as good, a lot of that is because of very bad recruitment as well. you know, Lovren, another one who should be doing better than he is. Coletta Saar, I don't, I don't rate particularly, but yeah. it's still, you know, it's not a relegation squad. Not necessarily pushing for Europe squads, but they shouldn't be down there. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's it's very worrying. In terms of Grosso, I think for the moment, I think Texter sort of, uh, doubling down and, and you know even said something to the effect that he wishes he'd brought him in in the summer so he had full kind of preparation time which I guess is to an extent fair it's always difficult for a, for a coach to come in sort of halfway halfway through a season or you know quarter of the way through the season whatever but um, it it shouldn't be souring this quickly you know fair enough that there could be sort of growing pains or you know if you're bringing in a coach who's, you know, this is my system and it takes a while for the players to learn the new system. Fair enough. But when the coach is changing the system every match, it's not going to inspire any confidence in the players from the players. (laughs) And, you know, there's probably also going to be sort of compensation issues, you know, play paying off two presumably very highly paid managers in, in a couple of months 
when they are already sort of, you know, DNCG are already all over them in terms of, of their finances anyway. So they might not even have a choice in terms of whether to um, to get rid of him or not. But it feels like it's untenable already. It feels like it can't carry on this way. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of who could replace him, I mean, it's not the kind of stellar names that you'd want to associate with Lyon, but, you know, they've made that mess for themselves and you've got to wonder if they need to be looking at Comboares or Gulvenex or Antonetti's who just just to make sure they don't go down and then sort of start again next year. Yeah. And that's absolutely crazy, isn't it? The idea that they could have to resort to that. It's it's no doubt one we're going to revisit, but we'll we'll leave Leon fans to chew and lick their wounds at the moment um, with that. But as you should mention, a brilliant result for Clermont, who uh, who only go up one place, but they leapfrog Leon to second bottom now with five points, but that's their first win in a while. So, um, and despite probably doing their very best to chuck away the, the lead with the last 10 minutes when they didn't exactly play the most sensible way. Uh, they did hang on and um, did. I think they probably deserved it on the first half alone. Uh, to let's... be fair to Leo, I think there was a blatant handball in the build up to the goal. Yeah, that is also true. Yeah, Or, or certainly, to use the quote, we've seen them given. Um, <laughs> it, it was one of those. It was a bit fishy, uh, for sure. But um yeah, nevertheless, Clermont get the points. Um, speaking of points, let's uh, let's box the, the top three together over the weekend. Um, unfortunately for you, despite a, a quite wonderful goal from Mets to take the lead, Monaco did turn that game round to win by two goals to one with a couple from Golovan. Well, I must admit, I didn't think Akija covered himself in glory with a free kick, but that's just me. Um, nice, who I, I read a crazy stat, they, they're the only club in the, Europe's top five that haven't been behind all season. Nuts, isn't it? Absolutely bonkers. But anyway, they got the win in probably the big fixture of the weekend against Marseille with a a late winner from Gesson, who came on as a sub. And PSG uh, kept or got back to, I say got back to their best form. I mean, they won last week at Rennes, but they dispatched Strasbourg by three goals to nil in a pretty comfortable win. Um, That is where the top three are. Um, PSG are three clear of Lille in fourth. Nice, one clear of PSG in second on 19, and Monaco atop with 20. Are we are we still sort of putting this down to PSG getting used to Enrique, or are we going to sort of suggest that there is some sort of title challenge going on here? Because Nice look compact and resolute. You know, they haven't torn up any trees with their football this season, but they look good. And then Monaco... We've mentioned on the previous pod, you know, lots of goals in, lots of goals out, but pretty consistent so far. Um, yeah, I mean, for both those teams, I think, you know, you want usually, I think, very free flowing, uh, high scoring teams that concede a lot as well, usually drop enough points somewhere along the way that they can't maintain the challenge. Although the Monaco 2017 team, although I think of much higher quality than this one, um, did play that way and and obviously did win the league. So I I think um, I'd want to see them sort of over a slightly longer period maintain all of this. Mm. Yeah, I just I just don't know if they've the 
I don't know if they've not if they don't have the quality to to keep scoring like that, but you just feel like in the tougher, tighter matches, I don't know if they'll they'll drop enough points. And Nice, sorry, I think they will drop points. Um Nice they've just very quietly been getting on with their with their business and and sort of you know it's funny because everyone was saying you know the coaches from the sort of deserby school but they haven't been free scoring at all and they have had an extremely tight defense which goes kind of exactly against the deserby thing the monaco um format looks more like deserby really um i think nice we just need to you know it's a also a very new uh formula new coach new way of playing and and um i guess they haven't yet been tested they haven't yet had a sticky patch and we need to see how how they react to that um but i like that i do like their squad i like that you know even like budawi scored last week who's not a goal scorer and and hasn't has been sort of in and out of the team but you, you've got players like that you can you can bring in and not only do their job but also now added scoring to their to their sort of palette I think is really positive and sort of says a lot about how there's obviously a very good spirit there at the moment um so yeah I've been I've been impressed with what I've seen from both teams um I would still expect PSG to to come good because I still think they've got more quality I think PSG the issue for for Ligue 1 I think PSG the issue is still Champions League I don't think they've got enough quality for that but I still expect them to to end up the title winners if only because you know although his goal this this weekend sort of ended a four or five match drought and it was only a penalty I still think you know Mbappe is by so far the best player in the league that he'll still win PSG some free points here and there mm. yeah 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 I agree I, it's one of those isn't it it's like we all kind of want to believe there'll be a title race just because it will make the league that bit more exciting and enjoyable but ultimately I, I feel like the cream will probably rise to the top and I feel like PSG's focus at the moment is very heavily on on Europe which we may see as they uh, take on uh, Milan. Milan. It is Milan, isn't it? Tomorrow? I think it's tomorrow. Hernandezico. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, brother v brother. Yeah, so that is tomorrow. So we will, um, we're not going to preview or review Europe this week for obvious reasons. We're recording on Tuesday. Uh, we will cover that next week in the interest of time. So, uh, yeah, totally agree with what you said there. And I think Nisa Monaco are keeping it interesting. Mentioned Lille who are up to fourth. Um, they've been steadily going about their business. They beat Brest, who've had a great start to the season as well, uh, by a goal to nil. Again, it wasn't the most uh, enthralling of, of fixtures, but one was enough uh, from Yazici, who is, uh, he went on loan last year and he's come back and has played his way back in. He got the early opener, which proved to be the winner. Uh, moving down the table, um, probably a couple of res- results, really, just to give you um, sort of in that middle area. Toulouse and Rouse storing one all. I think was this the game? I believe Rouse hit the post three times. He really should have won this game. And the just same didn't. post, isn't it? Same post, yeah. Talk about curse. Um, but yeah, uh, after I sort of said that were they struggling, they've gone on a very good run, so they're absolutely fine. Uh, Laos and Lens. Um, speaking of clubs that are focused on on Europe, um, 
Lons have, have definitely turned things around in recent weeks. Uh, they thought they'd got a late winner from Satoka, ruled out for offside. They are still 15th in the table. They've drawn the last two after winning two on the spin. Any concerns that they might be looking at the group that I'm looking at quite closely with my club at the moment and thinking, oh, you know, we could get out of this group. Could that potentially be an issue for them, do you think, moving forward with a, this nil-nil draw with Love? It's not it's not a great result. Um but yeah, may, maybe they're they're distracted by the fact that they've had a very good start in the in the in the Champions League. But I think it was always gonna be this way. As as good as they are and as fun as they are, it's not it's it's a French club in Europe, it's not the deepest it's a good squad, but it's not, you know, extremely deep. It's not extremely experienced in terms of Europe. I think they were always going to struggle to maintain, um, you know, to have as good a league as season as last year with Europe as well. And um, I think, you know, if they were to say get knocked out of the group or get knocked out of Europe um, and be able to focus on, on league, you know, as long as they've given their fans a few thrills, like they did, against you in the last match mm. um, and then can and can sort of focus on climbing the table I think they'll be happy if they can have a deeper run in Europe whether it's in the Champions League or even if they were to drop down to Europa um, <clears throat> give fans a lot of thrills in terms of uh, yeah more European nights at, at the at the Bola and, and also some some exciting away matches and that means sort of only feeling, finishing mid-table this season in Liga, I think they'd probably take that as well. So um, I certainly don't have any concerns about them going down. I, I still find it weird that they're doing, they've dropped as many points as they have, but um, I think they probably would still take that for the start they've had in the Champions League as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you, I, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll they'll have enough quality to win enough games to pull, even if it is end ends up being a mid table side uh, or mid mid table finish. Sorry, I feel like they'll be okay. Um, just before we talk about the Breton derby, which I know you wanted to mention, um, a little bit of love for Nantes because I think we all agree that they could struggle this season in our preview pod at the start of the season. You know, new coach, new ideas. They were a bit of a mess last season, I think it's fair to say, or we'll certainly ended it, you know, just above the the drop zone. It's um it's looking good for them, isn't it? Like they're, they're you know, they're they're pitting they're picking up points. They look solid. They got a 2 0 win over Montpellier at the weekend, which um hopefully Phil's not listening, but you know, Montpellier away from home, not the best, I think it's fair to say. And they're down in 14th. But four wins out of five, it suggests that whatever not are putting together under um Astri seems to be working doesn't it they're doing really well they're they're i think they're, they're defying expectations they're playing decent football um <laughs> capitalized there was some horrific defend i know we'll come to some more later but there was some horrific defending in league and this week and and um you know the the first goal was was a real gimme from from leconte which you wouldn't expect um basically handing handing the the ball to, to Mollet to, to open the scoring. So that kind of luck helps. But I like that the 
some of the players they've brought in are doing well, but also some of the players that they've had previously, you know, Simon or Simon, Simon, who had an awful season last season, looked completely disinterested, is, is back to uh, something approaching his best. Um, they've adapted to important players leaving, Ludovic Blas being being the obvious one. Um, so yeah, I think um to be to be where they're what 14th, a point behind fourth at this stage. Um I doubt that many not fans would have expected that. No, no. Uh, the one that's impressed me recently is um midfield Bamba Kedar or Kedar Bamba. Um he he looks like a a player who sort of rejuvenated and and we mentioned Mohammed a few weeks ago until he's ludicrous sending off he's definitely got the goals for them so yeah props where where, where due uh, not are having a good old time of it right now let's talk about that Breton derby then because uh happy result for myself Lorient hadn't won in four coming into this game and they dispatched Wren by two goals to one Wren are we will give Lorient some credit here, but you mentioned an awful weekend for defending. Uh, we'll tip our hat to Omari, of course. But Rena, to me, are going under the radar for all the wrong reasons, aren't they? I mean, like, you know, Genesio has done a, a very good job there, I think it's fair to say. But with that squad, ninth is not really good enough, is it, to, to lose, despite two awful pieces of defending. And if you haven't seen Omari's own goal for the opener... Torres is a good finish, in fairness, for, for Lorient's second and ultimately the winner. But Omari's uh, own goal, which sort of hits the post and just hits him in the shins and goes in, it's it's awful. But that squad, I mean, they spent fairly good money, didn't they, in the summer? And, you know, Enzo Lefay, Ludovic Blas, as you said, a few young players coming in as well. It, it's an underperforming position, isn't it, for, for Ren, despite European football? It's a very good squad and it's a pretty expensively assembled squad, actually. Um, you know they've poached pretty much every top player in the in the region from all their rivals, as well as half of Lyon's team from the last few years. Um, they, yeah, okay, they've got the distraction of, of Europe, but not unlike Lost, you know, this isn't totally new to them. They've been in Europe two, three times in recent years, um, and as we said, with all the other teams even higher up from them and I think at one point I suggested they could genuinely be title contenders because it feels like so many other teams are in transition mm. or sort of the first year of a new cycle um they should be doing so much better and and the league already is sort of quite concertinas and you know 11 point ninth and 11 points and only four points behind fourth it doesn't take that long or too many wins to to jump up the table but 11 points out of 27 with the squad they've got frankly the start they've had i don't think they've had a particularly strenuous start either um is not is not really good enough and um yeah two wins from nine uh you say it like that it's quite quite stark isn't it yeah Uh, yeah, really, poor, really poor. I think, and I, I wouldn't say Genesio is under pressure yet. But mm. for example, again on on Jeremy Rotten's show yesterday, I think it was it was either Dimeco or Dugari who was kind of really criticising Genesio for a lack of personality. Mm. 
maybe maybe that's i don't know i think to be fair it's the way he comes across sometimes but sort of in the same way that i said earlier you know nice haven't been tested maybe he's kind of had an extended honeymoon period at ren and that things have gone very well so far and and you know now's the time that we'll see what what he and the team are really made of um you know certainly like i said four points or fourth it's not a crisis but i think it's been very disappointing yeah yeah, agreed. And especially, you know, obviously I'm going to be a bit biased the other way, but Lorient were coming into this game under real pressure. Like I was I was really starting to look at this season and thinking, hmm, we might be heading back where, where once we came a few seasons ago at this rate because they really haven't been great. Uh, that's a big win for Lorient. I think Lorient and Clermont were the only two teams to win um, in the bottom, well, from eighth downwards. They were the only two teams to win down that table. So it's a pretty big win that for for them, especially with Strasbourg, who are off the back of three straight defeats now, Montpellier with their loss, and potentially they may. I don't know if there's been an outcome of the uh, of the Clermont match. I don't believe so yet. I think we're still waiting to hear what's going to happen there. There was some talk that it was going to be replayed, and some talk that the points are going to go to Clermont. So we'll have to wait and see. At time of recording, I don't believe unless you haven't heard anything of you about that ruling yet. No, no okay. No. So that could change the table completely because if Clermont are awarded those points, of course they would go to eight points and they'd go up to 16th um, and Montpellier would drop, uh, well, potentially stay on nine points because haven't been points rewarded. But um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I uh, I was pretty pleased with that result um, because I did, I, I fully expected Ren to, to come out fighting and, and they really didn't. So happy days. Um, that was kind of the weekend that was, like I say, we're, we're not going to go sort of too deep on this show this week because it is just the two of us. But just before we kind of um, look ahead to the weekend's games and, and wrap things up, I just wanted to get your sort of feels. We are a few weeks, obviously. We've got one more international break before Christmas. I think we've got another six fixtures before the Christmas break. I don't know where this year has suddenly gone all of a sudden, but what do you make of the table at the moment? And um, you know, feel free to to lift the stone that, that Mets are under at the moment as well, because I know they're sort of having a bit of a tough time, four straight defeats. But aside from Leon, which we've gone deep on, is the table kind of where you expected it? Maybe Lons are again, what we mentioned are a bit lower than we would have thought, but do you feel things are shaking out much as you thought they would? I mean, for the most part, if you sort of split it top half, sec- top half and bottom half, you wouldn't, you'd have it more or less, you know, if ignoring sort of the order of the teams, you'd have most of the, you know, in the top nine, you've got Monaco, Nice, PSG, Lille, uh, Marseille, Rennes, you'd expect them to be in the top half and you'd expect most of the bottom nine to be there. But there are obviously a couple of standouts, obviously Lyon and Lens in the bottom half, um, Brest right up there, Rennes lower than expected. Um so yeah, I think it's taking a kind of shape that isn't too unexpected, but it's nice to see not PSG right at the top. Mm. It's nice, kind of. I'm never sure about it, but it's sort of interesting to see a a bigger club struggling a little bit just for a little bit more intrigue. Mm. Um, <laughs> from a completely neutral point of view, it's fun to see Marseille bang in the middle because. That means either we're coming out of or going into some kind of meltdown. <laughs> yeah, Cotizo is what four, five games in now, and I think it's three defeats out of those. So yeah, 
bit mixed so far, early days, but yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's it's sort of taking a nice shape, and there's um, yeah, a couple of potentially very interesting stories at both ends of the table to to really keep an eye out for. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Mess and Claremont in the bottom three. I think there's a good chance that they'll be in those two places or even one place lower mm. um, by the end of the season. We, were you impressed with Claremont? I mean, so we didn't really give him too much love because Leon was the story. But I thought, I don't know how much you can put down to how bad Leon were in the first half. Leon were absolutely wretched. But second half, despite being a little bit naive and trying to score a third, I felt like Claremont offered something like they showed that they had that bit of fight. And I say in someone like Cham, it feels like they've got that that uh, sort of ex- expressive forward who might get them enough goals or enough chances. Um, yeah, they they've like got they've got a few good footballers. They've got a couple of sort of you know in in Auger and and Gastien, a couple of kind of very experienced players with with a lot of now sand footballing ability some some young stars a a goalkeeper who's who's playing really well at the moment um, as we saw in particular against PSG so um they're a good team and and they probably should be I don't know about higher than they are that kind of goes against what I what I just said but we saw last year that they are capable of of good results and and good runs but I think last year they overachieved and I, I just feel like sometimes that, um, you know, kind of second album syndrome sort of thing. I think they yeah. were always going to struggle a little bit this year. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I was impressed with them. I think, you know, the, the only match I've really paid attention to them in this season in particular was before Sunday was when they played Mess and, and Mess won that one, which kind of, you know had it gone the other way it would put a, a very different complexion on things as, as well in terms of where I mean they'd only swap places but Lemo with eight points I think could sort of look upwards or with five points would already be sort of dead and buried almost um yeah. but Claremont probably deserved at least a, a draw in that match or a little bit unlucky so um yeah I think um as we said before, for, for teams down there, it's those kind of matches that that may make the difference. But I think Claremont are more likely to grab a surprise win against one of the, the higher placed teams, whereas I think Mess will have to rely entirely on getting those, fighting out those results against their sort of relegation rivals. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And, and if we do assume, um, which is probably dangerous, and especially in Leon's case, but if we do assume that the likes of Leon and Lance eventually will get some sort of run together and pull out of that those those bottom areas, then you look at the likes of Montpellier, Strasbourg, Love, who you feel are all going to struggle a bit and drop points, and that's where... Uh, that's where the concern is for those those bigger clubs down the bottom. So it is definitely shaking out in an interesting fashion. Um, we will have a look at the uh, fixtures upcoming just very quickly, uh, and it will be quick. I just wanted to let the listeners know what's happening. Um, we did make reference to League 2. Um, just morbid curiosity as much as anything else. I had a look at the table earlier on. There's some banging form sides in that division. Laval lost at the weekend, but that was to St Etienne, who, if you look at the top five, is just a sea of green. So many teams winning up there. Laval are top two points clear of Angers, who've won five on the spin. Uh, Auxerre also looking to try and come back to Ligue 1. They've won four of their last five in third. Grenoble 
have won three of their last five are in fourth. St Etienne, uh, four of their last five are in fifth. And then you've got the likes of Rode, Ajaxio, Gangon, Pau and Amiens down in 10th. Uh, Andy Carroll scoring um, an interesting goal for Amiens at the weekend, if you haven't seen that. Um, and then down at the bottom, uh, Dunkirk are having an awful time of it. They've lost five on the spin and look to be heading back where they came. Uh, Kivelirin, Valenciennes, who were not so long ago, a Ligue 1 side, C3, who were also just in that relegation. Spot, Anthony Knockhart now. Say again? Anthony Knockhart now plays for Valenciennes. Does he really? Does he really? How old is he now? Mid thirties? Early thirties. I'm not early sure. Early thirties. Okay. Interesting. Well, there you go. They're struggling down there as are Trois. Um, rather surprisingly, Paris FC, who were challenging for promotion last season, they're also down there. Um, and Bordeaux still struggling this season. Fifteenth. I think they recently changed head coach. I'm sure I remember reading that somewhere. So, yeah, um, not a good season for them. And then Concano, Bastia, and Orsi. And Khan, who also were pushing for promotion last season, reading up the table to 11th. So that is where Ligue 2 lies at the moment. And as I say, some pretty big clubs in some pretty good form in that division at the current time. Uh, right then, just before we go, as I say, we're not going to reference Europe tonight because we are both pushed for time. But we will just mention the upcoming fixtures ahead of uh, what will be next week's podcast. We'll look back at the European games and indeed the weekend's games in Ligue 1. Um, this weekend, 27th of uh, October, we're in now, of course, Claremont against Nice is the Friday night game. So Nice could go back to the top and Claremont hopefully looking to build on that game against Lyon. Uh, on the Saturday, you've got Rouse against Lorient, which I shall be watching from behind the sofa. That's four o'clock on Saturday. And Lons against Nantes, which quite might be a little bit spicy. That's uh, the evening game on Saturday. Brest against PSG opens up the early games on the Sunday at midday with Lille-Monaco. That will be worth a look. That's two o'clock on Saturday, as is Metz-Lave, who both need points for different reasons, and Montpellier-Toulouse. Arguably a big big game that for Montpellier to get back on track. And then the 4.05 game is Rennes against Strasbourg. Uh, all eyes on Rennes, and Strasbourg definitely need to find some form. And the game on Sunday, um, Marseille-Lyon. That's the big one, isn't it, really? Um, the the velodrome atmosphere that you mentioned before, it's, it's a big game, though, isn't it? Because you feel like Gattuso will be wanting to get off to a, a win in that particular fixture. Two clubs that do not like each other. Do you expect fireworks on that evening game? Um, potentially, yeah. Or <laughs> an easy Marseille win. Mm. Um, yeah, two, two Italian coaches, both part of the 2006... Well, yeah, squad. Um, both, I think, sort of obviously early in their tenure, but both sort of searching for that kind of reference performance or result, um, mm. both with mitigating circumstances. But, you know, Marseille probably should be doing better than than they they have been this season. Obviously, that's not at all all down to, to Gattuso. Um Leon, we've discussed both clubs a mess off the pitch as well as on it. Um, and as I think we said before, for me, this is the real grudge match of, of French football in recent years, more so than, than Marseille PSG. So there's a hell of a lot at stake. Mm. Um, yeah, if Marseille score early, I worry, I worry for Leon. Yeah, yeah, if, that's... if Leon can keep it. 
tight for as long as possible, then you can see tempers boiling over with the home fans and side yeah. bench. <laughs> I, I kind of almost want to see Leon score first because I think it will make for a better game. Um, yeah. Because the way Leon's confidence is at the moment, you just feel that, as you say, an early Marseille goal with that crowd and it could be, you know, a three or four niller and uh, everybody goes off into the night quietly. So, yeah, I, I kind of hope that Leon find some sort of form and you know, despite their ownership and all of the criticisms, I mean, you know, they are one problem. Were they the, am I right in saying the most successful club in French history in terms of domestic honours? They must be, must be up there. It's a stat I've never looked up before. Um, most, but yeah. PSG have the most titles now. And I think Marseille and Nantes still have more than Neon as well. Okay, so if you factor in PSG, sort of more recent history, I suppose that that makes sense. But yeah, even so, clearly one of the biggest clubs in in France. It would be a shame to see them continue in this form, but uh, we shall see. We shall see. We'll cover that game on next week's show. Um, We will be back next week. Don't know as of yet what day, because obviously this time of year schedules go a little bit awry, but we will be back to do our best to uh, to cover the weekend's action. So keep an eye on the podcast feed and, of course, the Twitter feed where we will post uh, as usual. Um, but for now, Jess, I think we'll call it a day there. Uh, many thanks to you for this evening. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And uh, Phil should be back with us uh, next week as well. Uh, say work pending so uh, thank you to her for doing the bits behind the scenes as always uh right whatever game you are taking in this weekend uh, unless you're a leon fan where it could be a tough one again we shall see but whatever game you're tuning in to enjoy your french football and we will speak to you very soon <laughs>